righteousness as the light and thy judgment as the new day. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, neither because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Let's go down a little bit further. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil, for evildoers shall be cut off. But those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. These key directions that we're going to hone in on this morning um, are what it's like or what it means or what does it look like to follow God. A lot of times people have misconceptions of what it means to follow God. There's a lot of different views and opinions of what it means to follow God. And we need to be careful that we don't just imagine what we think it means to follow God or what we grew up in church or wherever we were at thinking or seeing that that means to follow God. It would be better if we all found our definition of what it means to follow God from the Word of God. And understanding it from there. Now, obviously, it's a big book. Amen? <laughs> when I say four faithful directions for following God, I feel very, you know, almost naive saying that. There's a lot more to following God than what I'm going to share with you. But, you know, as a teenager, sometimes I told the teens this on Friday night. I said, sometimes as a teenager, I used to think that I'd come to a service... I'd hear the preaching of the Word of God, and that one preaching, then I would just be, boom, change, you know? It was like that one time, I was just going to be, bam, it was done. But the title of the message is, Four Faithful Directions for what? Following God. Following God. You don't follow God at one Sunday service. You follow God on a consistent, daily basis. And these are just, I have discovered, just some of the ways. But if you're not doing these ways, you're not going to do the other ways. These are basic, really, is what I'm pointing out. So when we jump into this message and we see these things, latch on to them. But don't just say, that was good. Um, no, apply them to your life. And may God use them for the glory of God. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for the word. We pray that, Father, your word, as you said it would, I don't have to pray for it, God. I'll just, uh, just go ahead and recognize your promise. You said it will not return void. And uh, I pray this morning, this afternoon, that, God, your word would speak into hearts. And you'd help me to speak truth into people's lives through the Holy Spirit of God. Fill me with your spirit. I need your spirit. I need your grace. And so do we all. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Have you ever wondered how something was made? I like those. I can see, I can see Brother Michael liking one of those shows, how it's made, you know. And, you know, showing you how something is made, whatever it is. You know, how, you know, some of you ladies would, would be yawning, but I would just, I, I'd love, I, I could sit down and literally watch a show on how PVC pipe is made. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
the chemical construction that goes in all of it, the how it's how it's poured out and how they do it. And I, I could literally watch a show on that, you know. You know, some of you ladies would like to watch a show maybe on how chocolate chip cookies are made or how to make some kind of meal. You know, I'm yawning when I watch something, something like that. But show me how, you know, show me how artificial turf is made. You know, I'm in it. You know, I'd like to see that. How do you, how do they do that? How do they, how do they construct those kinds of things? But if you go to Clemens, North Carolina, you can visit a little mom and pop cookie factory called Mrs. Haynes Moravian Cookies. And when you go in the shop, you don't just see the cookies and smell the smell. I mean, they're good cookies. I love those things. Uh, Nice and crisp sugar cookies. But you can also look behind the glass, and there are some Moravian ladies back there making the cookies. Right there in front of you. In fact, you can actually sign up and uh, experience it yourself, and you can uh, yourself go in and uh, at certain times and get a hands-on experience, and you yourself can make Mrs. Haynes Moravian cookies. And just get involved and, and have a good time with it. And the, the, the thing that we're looking at here today is that Psalm 37 verses 3 through 7, 3 through 7 gives to us hands-on directions of what it means to follow God. It's all the directions, just like when you go to Mrs. Haynes Cookery Factory and you get to experience what it means to cook, on, cook, in, a, cook in a cooking factory. Guess what? That's not all that goes on in the cooking factory, all right? You don't stay around and you don't clean up right? You don't get there before and get everything ready. You're not involved with the finances. You're not involved with selling the cookies. You're not involved with the packaging. You're not involved with all the behind the scenes activity that you, just like that, so it is with the Word of God. These are basic instructions to help us to know how to live and how to follow God. You can do a lot of other things, yeah. But I believe if you don't follow these, you're just not going to succeed in the Christian life. These are spiritual things. Trust. Delight. Commit. Rest. I would like for, some, I'd like for one of you to go down to H-E-B, H-E-B and buy rest for me. Go buy commitment down there for me. Why don't you go buy trust for me? Why don't you buy pleasure? Why don't you buy delight for me? You're not going to find it. It's not there. Because these are spiritual qualities. These are spiritual matters that he's referring to here. And until somebody is a spiritual person, and I don't mean that, you know, I'm real spiritual, you know, I do my meditation in the morning. That's not what I mean by that. I'm a a spiritual person. What I mean by that is this, is that are you born of the Spirit? There is, it says, therefore, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ, to them which are in Christ Jesus. And listen to the, to the, to the next little phrase. It says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, why does that say that there? Because it doesn't say that that's, a, that's not a conditional phrase. That's not saying, like, now, if you're saved, and if you ever don't walk according to the Spirit, 
you're not saved anymore. That's not what it's saying. What it's saying to us, it's not a conditional phrase, but rather it's a phrase that lets us know who we are. Who we are. You're saved. There's no, no condemnation on you anymore. And so now you live a life that is not controlled by the flesh anymore. And when it is, you recognize it, you see it, and you repent. But you live a life that is, on the contrary wise, is controlled by the Spirit of God. You know how that begins, don't you? Jesus told Nicodemus, he said to him in John chapter number 3, he said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, be born of, uh, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. He says in verse number 5, he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and you cannot tell, and you cannot tell the, uh, you cannot hear us the sound thereof, and canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So it is everyone that is born of of the spirit listen you cannot begin to be a spiritual person until first of all you're born again by the spirit born again you say how do i get born again nicodemus had the same question do i enter back into my mother's womb a second time i think he was being a touch sarcastic there what do you think (laughs) No, you don't go back into your mother's womb again, Nicodemus. You know that. You know better than that. You're being a little sarcastic there. You're being a little critical. What do you mean by that then, Lord? What he means by this is this, is that the first time that you're born by your mother is that you're of the flesh. You're born after sinful flesh, and because of that, you have inherited a sin nature, and because of that, you have sinned, and you will sin. You'll do long, you'll lie, you'll cheat, you'll steal, you'll commit adultery, you'll, you'll, you'll blaspheme God, you'll take the name of the Lord God in vain, you'll, you'll put other things before God. You'll break, every one of us is breaking all ten commandments. He said, I haven't broken them all. James says this, he says, he says that, he said, in that you've broken the, one of them, you've broken all of them. Broken them all. So none of us in this room are guiltless. All right? Maybe you're feeling this morning, this afternoon, you're like, man, am I the only one in here that's guilty? No, listen, join the crowd. (laughs) We all have been sinned and come short of the glory of God. And there's only one person that has never sinned, and that's Jesus. And he's the one that died for us and there's only one that can save us and that is Jesus Christ the Lord but you know how he does that and doesn't a very usual unusual and unique way he does that through the spirit of God and through the word of God them two working hand in hand coordinating together they are the ones that are drawing us he says I will draw all men unto myself he says how does he do that through the spirit of God how are you quickened by what the spirit of God How are you made alive? By the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit that moves in our hearts and convinces us and convicts us of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. None of us are right with God. All of us must face the judgment of God. And all of us, none of us are sinless. That's the Spirit working on your heart. 
Sometimes people, in, especially in the book of Acts, whenever the Spirit of God was working on people's hearts, especially with Jesus Christ, whenever he was preaching, you say, how did Jesus preach? He preached through the Spirit of God. So how do you know that? He said, he does not give his spirit unto him by measure. He was empowered by the Spirit of God. And so people, they took out their vengeance on Jesus. And that's a lot of times what people do. They get mad at the preacher, don't they? But it's not the preacher that's convicting you or convincing you of sin. It's the Spirit of God. That's God's spirit working in your heart, trying to say, hey, buddy, listen up. Hey, gal, listen up. You're lost. You need to come to Christ. You never get to apply the four principles that I'm giving to you this morning until, first of all, you realize that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, and this is a spiritual walk with God. And he says, you must be born again. Then he goes on to tell us how to do that. He says, he says this is how you do it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever in him should not perish but have everlasting life. One is born of the spirit of God whenever they believe the gospel. They trust Christ as Lord and Savior that he died on the cross for their sins and that he rose again on the third day. The Christian walk is a spiritual walk before it's ever a physical walk. And you might be saved today, and I trust many of you are. I trust all of you are. If you're not, then we're going to give you a chance at the end to be. And I'd like for you, if you, if, you know, it would, it would not displease me whatsoever. It wouldn't displease anybody in here if somebody just got saved right now. I know of a guy that got saved at the invitation time. He, it was before the invitation time. And he said, uh, if anybody in here would like to get saved, uh, here in just a moment, he said, sir, I'd like to get saved. He said, hold on, we'll deal with you in a second. And he said, sir, I'd like to get saved. <laughs> we'll deal with you in a second. Just wait a minute, all right? It's not your turn yet. Listen, listen. It's your turn. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the, accept, is the day of salvation. It's not today. It's not tomorrow. It's not the next week. Listen, you don't have a next week. You don't have a tomorrow. When I was just, just, a, just on Tuesday, my boys and I were out here, and we were, heard all these commotion and this fire trucks and helicopters, and we went up there on the road, and when we were up there on 290, we looked out there, and there was traffic was stopped, and there was helicopters landing on the, on the freeway. I mean, that's pretty exciting stuff for a 12-year-old and a 10-year-old. Amen? Amen. <laughs> And we're looking at people with, with people with, uh, on stretchers and people with blood coming down their face. And, and then a guy, a construction worker, comes by and he says, they're covering one up. I'm glad my boys didn't see that. I wasn't trying to get them in to involve something like that. But you know what? That person that died right here, right here, when they left the house this, that, that, that morning, and grab the keys and kiss their wife or their husband or their kids or whoever it was and said bye. The last thing they, I guarantee, the last thing they did not say was, I'm going to go die now. I'm going to go die. Now when they left home and they came eastbound, they had no idea that they would die that day. 
And I'm not trying to scare anybody in here. I'm just trying to tell you the facts. Nobody knows when you're going to die. And today could be your last day. Salvation's not worth putting off, my friend. Better to get saved today. But if you are saved, he tells us these four spiritual truths. And the thing is, is that I know a lot of believers, and I've been one myself, and I am one of these myself sometimes I'm guilty of, is that a lot of times that Christians can get the physical aspects of Christianity down. They know how to look. They know what to do. They know what not to do. They will know what to say. They know the spiritual jargon. They're proficient in their speech and in their prayers in public. Uh, but they're not very proficient in trusting God, resting in God, committing their ways to God, and delighting themselves in God. We've gotten a false image sometimes of what Christianity is, and that Christianity is this physical thing. And I'm not saying God is not for the physical, all right? Man looks on the outward appearance, and God looks on the heart. Listen, it does matter what you look like, okay? I'm not saying that. Don't get me wrong, and don't misquote me. But what I am saying is this, is that we've got to recognize that the spiritual walk, that the Christian walk, is a spiritual walk. It is a walk that we live according to God. According to these principles, and whenever these principles are in our life, then these other principles will begin to flow out of our lives. And here's the thing, too, is that if we're not careful, is that we become Christians, and we live as a Christian, and we do as a Christian, and we know when to stand up, and we know when to sit down, and we know when to read our Bibles, and we know when to pray, and we know all of those kinds of things, and that's all great and good, all right? I'm not putting any of that down. But all of us as believers here this morning should just kind of get a little bit of a wake-up call and say, hey, I want to trust God, I want to delight in God, I want to be proficient in my commitments to God, and I want to rest in God. I want to live for God on a daily, consistent basis. To trust means to place your confidence in. It means to hide yourself in. What are you hiding behind right now? Your strengths? Your abilities? Your beauty? Your job? Your skills? Your money? Your house? Your family? Your inheritance? What, do you, what is it that you're placing your confidence in? Because we all have something that we're, go, that we're, that we're tempted to place our confidence in Besides God. Besides God. I know a little bit, I can get around the plumbing scene a little bit. I've done it a couple of times. All right? But I had a real big job that I had to take care of down in San Marcos for my father-in-law. And I was trying to, we were trying to help him out with something down there, moving a water heater from one place to another. You don't need to know the boring details. Anyhow... I just told the Lord that morning before I went down, I said, God, I said, I don't really know what to do. And you know what God did? God gave me some good ideas. And then I told the Lord, I just want to share this with you. This is personal testimony. I said, Lord, I said, that's amazing. You even know about plumbing, don't you? <laughs> you know about pex piping. God, you know it all. 
I, I don't want to trust. I don't, wanna, I don't want this to be my knowledge and my abilities, and I don't want to hide behind this. Amen? Amen. This is small yep. right here. Mm-hmm. This is small. Compare this with the rest of this room. It's a very poor analogy, all right? But just compare this with the rest of this room and all these buildings and, and everything else that's here. Compare it with this. I'll tell you what, I'd rather, much rather be hiding behind all that's here than to be hiding behind this. This is small, and my life is small, and I have nothing to offer to God, but God has everything to offer to me. Albert Barnes said the best way to keep the mind from complaining and chafing and fretting is to always be engaged in some good deed or good work. The mind is always occupied in something that's valuable and useful for what he says right here. He says, trust in the Lord and do what? Do good. When you're trusting in God, you'll notice that he says you will do good. You'll be engaged in some act of benevolence or help or some thoughtful deed or some helpful action or encouraging thought. In verse number 27, look if you will at what it says in Psalm 37, verse 27. It says this, it says, depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. Trust in the Lord. With all thine heart, and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways, what? Acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Psalm, the Proverbs 33, 5 and 6. Listen, the Bible is teaching us here that we need to trust God. And then he's always attached, he attaches a promise to all of these. Notice what it says right here. He says, so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily shalt thou be fed. The promise here is that if you'll trust God, then you'll be secure, and then you'll be stable. You'll possess a security and soul. And you say, that means I'll never get my house broken into? That's not what I said. If you're worried about all your stuff in your house, then guess what you're trusting in? Your alarm system and your locks and all the rest of those kinds of things. We're not living for that, amen? amen? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves do break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where what? Moth and rust doth not corrupt and thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your what? Heart be also. Trust in God and you'll have security. That no, the security is this, is that, that no matter what happens in your life, no matter, you can trust God that he's good and he's never done anything wrong. Yeah. You don't know what's happened to me. I don't need to know. I don't say that insensitively. I don't say that, I don't say that bitterly. I'm just saying that I know God. You say, how do you know God? You talk to him? Yeah, I did talk to him this morning, in fact, but nonetheless, all right? I know his word. And his word teaches me that he's a good God. He's a good God. And anything that he allows into my life is only for my own good and for, my own, for his own purpose. But he also will allow you to be stable, for he says, you will be fed. Notice what it says in Psalm 37 in verse number 25. He says, I have been young, and now I am old, yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. God will provide for you continually. He will never stop providing for his own. Secondly, we must trust God, but we also must delight in God. 
We should be seeking our happiness in the Lord. That's what the word delight means. It means to be happy. It means to be blessed. God should be our source of joy and pleasure. Psalm chapter 16 and verse number 11 says this. It says, Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. The question is this. Second question would be this. Not only what are you hiding behind, but secondly, what are you finding joy and pleasure in? Where do you find fulfillment? I hope you find it in God. That's where you ought to find it. If you're a miserable, unhappy Christian, I'll tell you why. You're not finding your happiness in God. It's not in the Lord. This is something else. I don't know what it is. But when you live like a, but when you're trying to live like a Christian and you're trying to do all the physical aspects of a Christian, you're trying to come to church and read your Bible and pray and do all the rest of it, but yet you're not finding joy in God, you're going to be miserable. Because then church becomes a task. And reading your Bible becomes a task. All right? And listen, we all got dry periods in our life, okay? Don't get me wrong. All right? I'm not trying to get anybody off their, get, get anybody discouraged or depressed this morning. We all have dry times, okay? We all have times when heaven feels like brass, okay? When we feel like God isn't with us. Even the best men did, Moses, Elijah, all right? They even felt like that at times. So you don't, don't, get on, don't, get on pity, don't get on your own pity party. I'm just saying this is that we've got to go back even when it is dry. And when it even is, whenever it is, uh, heaven is brass. We've got to realize, hey, I am joying and joying and in pleasuring and in delighting myself in the Lord. That's where I've got to find my delight. Rules and commands. Listen, when I delight myself in the Lord, rules and commands of God don't bother me at all. Not at all. I don't care. I don't care. When I delight myself in God, I love His rules. I love His commands. They make me happy. You say, you're weird, man. No, I just like to... I'm just saying, when when I'm spiritual and I'm living for God and I'm loving God, I love His rules. When I'm not loving God and I'm not living right, I don't like his rules. <laughs> that's, just, that's, just, well, that's the brass tacks of it, my friend. I love living for God when I'm delighting myself in God. It makes me happy. It makes me happy whenever God, whenever the devil comes and he tries to put some little snare in my way and tries to trip me up and tries to throw me down and I say, and, I, and I'm able by the Spirit of God and God prompts me, he shows me a way of escape. There hath no temptation taken you, but as such is common to man. He says there, he said, but he shall provide what? A way of escape. When God shows me the escape route and I dig through the hole and I get out and I say, man, I got away from, the de- from that old devil this time. And you know what? My heart is happy. I'm glad. I'm, 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 I'm saying, man, I'm saved. Praise God. That's good. Listen, delight yourself in the Lord. And look at this. This is what's even, this is what's, this is what mine, this is mind blowing, right? Verse 4. And he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. 
That's an awesome promise. God says, I'll give you the desires of your heart. How true is that? When you start delighting yourself in God, God gives your desires. That means this. <laughs> you better hold. You stop working to get your desires. You stop manipulating situations so you can get your desires. You stop conniving. You stop trying to do things to make it your way and you're going to do You stop. You stop trying to get yourself head over heels in debt. It's getting quiet in here. I'm just saying, you're not, you're just trying, you're, you, you don't, you want to delight yourself in God and you don't want to try to manipulate a situation in order to try to make yourself happy. Going down to Best Buy and buying a $1,500 TV and putting it on, putting it on the credit card, man, and paying it off in, you know, in, in six, eight, nine months, ten months. Paying all that interest on that when you could have been doing something better with it. And then six months later after, and, you've, and you just said, well, I'm not going to get the extended warranty. And then green lines start running through it. Yep. Have you ever noticed that sometimes the, the wanting or the, I probably should say it the biblical way, the coveting of something. When you covet something. And you really want something, and then you finally get it, that the wanting of that was better than the getting of it. I just want it. I want it. I got to have it. I got to have it. I got And you do whatever it takes. Instead of just trusting God, delighting in God. I don't own a motorcycle, but I got a friend in the church. He's letting me use one right now. And I love to ride motorcycles. I still can't ride one on the road yet, all right? I got too many little kids. When we got married, I'll tell you a funny story. When we got married, my wife, I said, I said, I, said, I think I'm about getting a motorcycle. She said, you should have done that before you got married. <laughs> there, was no more, there was no more riding on the road for Mr. Matthew. And, uh, and, 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 and you know what? That motorcycle may go away today or tomorrow or the next day. I, and, and I'm not, I'm not worried about that. That's not the point. I'm just saying that God's given me a little time on a motorcycle, and that's fun. I love it. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. We started having kids. I love, I love traveling. I love going out, mission trips. I love preaching around the world. That's hard when you got a bunch of little kids. I'll tell you that right now. All right? It's just not, it's not feasible. Okay, at least it's not for me, maybe for other guys. You know, in the last couple of years, the Lord's let me go to Guyana and Alaska. And God's just been opening those doors up. And I got a phone call just the other day. Hey, preacher, why don't you come down to, to, back to Guyana and preach a youth conference for us in August? I had to regretfully decline. So well, I got a baby on the way. I said, but I'd love to do it next year. He said, we'll put you down. You know, I don't, I just, I'm just saying, I'm just giving you a few illustrations. That's, 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 that's nothing big. Those are small potatoes, my friend. All right? That's worldly stuff in a way. 
I'm just saying that if you delight yourself in God, God will give you the desires of your heart, and you ain't got to work at it. You ain't got to connive it. You ain't got to manipulate it to your own ways. And then he says, commit. Commit your life to God. The word commit is an awesome word. It's a multifaceted word. It means to, it literally means to wallow in, to run down, or to roll in. Literally, it's saying roll in the ways of God. Run down the ways of God. Just let God get all over you. Some of y'all ain't from the South, so you don't get that too much right there. Just, I mean, just get it all over you. Just get everything. Just let God be on you. That's what we're supposed to do. That's what the Holy Ghost does. He was all over Peter. I mean, Peter, Peter was following the first two instructions so well whenever he got arrested and thrown in jail. He was trusting God and delighting himself in God. I mean, he was so trusting in God and resting in God so much that he was so asleep that when the Holy Spirit of God came and knocking at him and trying to wake him up, he couldn't even wake him up. You say, how do you know that? Because the Bible says this. It says that the Holy Ghost smote him. You don't, you don't, Michael, you want me to come up here and tell you what smote is, you know? That means he hit him. That's what it means. He smote him to wake him. Get up, you know? The prison's open. The chains are falling off. Get out of here. The Holy Spirit of God, he was committed unto God. The Spirit of God was on that man. He was trusting in him. We'll say stuff like this. Well, if I lie in this situation, then I, I might avoid getting fired or losing my job. Or, but you know what? I mean, God's just on me. And I trust God. And I, I got to tell the truth. Because I delight myself in God. I delight myself in the Lord. And he shall bring it to pass. Whatever God decides to do after that, I'm trusting in him in it. I'll let him handle, handle the results. I'll let God take care of it. I'm, I'm trying to tell you how to be successful in the Christian life. I'm not. The Word is. You notice this? I hadn't told you to give the offering. I didn't tell you to come to church three times a week. I was hot this afternoon. I just didn't feel like putting my tie on. I didn't tell you to put a tie on. I'm just saying this, you trust God, you delight yourself in God, you commit your life to God, you get right with God on a spiritual level, then I'm, I'm just telling you right now is that God's going to work out some of the other things and he's going to start showing you some things that, hey, I do need to do this, I do need to live like this, I do need to set these things in order, I need to get these things right in my life. Why? Because it's God working in you and through you. You're not just conforming to some kind of mold, but rather you're conforming yourself into the image of Christ. That's what we all want to be like. I don't want a bunch of Matthew Coxes running around here. It'd be great if we had a bunch of Christians running around here. Amen? That's what we need. 
We need Christians. And then he says, rest in God. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for Him. The words rest and wait are rather synonymous. I won't get into the, uh, to all the minute details of them. But basically, that just means this. It means, now be quiet and be patient. When you go to the doctor's office, you check in. You fill out your paperwork. You turn it in. You get your weight and do whatever else preliminaries that you have to do. And then you go and you sit down. And you be quiet and you wait. It's an amazing thing. That's why it's called a waiting room. And you listen to the nobody knows what song is playing and you're sitting there waiting. And finally somebody says, the doctor will see you now. The doctor will see you now. And your waiting is over. And sooner or later, it's going to be your turn. Wait patiently. I don't know what you're waiting on. Waiting on a job. Waiting on a wife. Waiting on a husband. Waiting on God's next step and God's plan for your life. I don't know what you're waiting on. This whole week, I've been struggling with this. We're trying to do this project out here. Now my mind just wants to go on to the next thing. I've already got five things that I'd like to do. But you know what the word that God has put in my heart? Wait. Wait. Rest. Rest does not mean to not do anything. Sometimes people think that's what rest means. That's not what rest means. Rest means be quiet. You've trusted in God. You've committed your life to God. You've committed your way to God. You've delighted in God. I mean, you've done everything that they said here. Now, be quiet. But, Pastor, I've got to... No, be quiet. But, Pastor, if I don't do this, no, be quiet. But pastor, you don't understand. No, listen, the thing is that we don't understand. The word says, trust, delight, commit, now rest. Wait. Wait. You're not going to get anywhere in a doctor's office after you fill out the paperwork and do everything that you're going to do. You're not getting anywhere by going up to the reception and saying, well, it's my turn. They're going to say, no, go sit down and wait. Go sit down and wait. Go sit down and wait. You're not getting anywhere by arguing with them. In fact, you might get arrested if you're not careful in these days. Be quiet. Now go to verse 9 and I'm done. We had to go a little bit further to find the promise here. What's the promise? Wait on the Lord, they shall, and they, but, they that wait, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. God says eventually you'll inherit the earth. You know, there's people, you ask Albert, there's people, there's people out there that are waiting on parents to die to get an inheritance. They're waiting on somebody to die 
so they can get some money. That's a sad way to live. There's others hoping that Uncle John will leave them a little bit of money. There's others that are hoping for the, the big break, right, in business. And I'm just going to get through, and man, that's what I'm waiting on. But I'm not waiting for any of that, my friend. I'm waiting for the day when I get to inherit the earth. The earth. You say, what does that mean? I don't know, but it's a lot better than Uncle John's inheritance. It's a lot better than what my parents got. Because my father in heaven, and I love my mama and daddy to death. But my father in heaven's got something waiting for me much more than anything my mom or dad could ever give. Even if my mom and dad were Elon Musk or Bill Gates or Donald Trump, it wouldn't matter. God's got something better for me and glory much better than anything that this world has to offer. That's why I'm saying this morning, this is a spiritual walk. And if you're not saved, you're not going to get the experience in that inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled, that fadeth not away, that is reserved in heaven for you. I got a reservation, my friend, and I'm going to glory one day. Where are you going? Where are you going? Why are you going there? Could you tell me why? Could you give me a biblical reason how you know for sure that you're saved? I hope it's not, oh, because I'm a good person. I've done a lot of good things. Well, I hope so. Kind of hope that God kind of outweighs the good and the bad. <laughs> Listen, there's only one way to heaven. Jesus told us. Either you believe Jesus or you don't believe Jesus. That's really what it boils down to. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Have you trusted him? Have you believed in him? Then are you continuing to trust? Are you continuing to delight? Are you continuing to commit? Are you being quiet and resting in God? Father, we're thankful for the word. We pray that, Father, we will...